I don't know about you. I don't know what you do for New Year's. If beginning the new year, you're, you're, uh, you're ready to tackle the year and you've made some, uh, some goals for the, for the new year, maybe what they call it, uh, resolutions. I'm not sure what you do, but, you know, it's, it's kind of that time. And I remember that I gave them up a while ago. Um, and, you know, and I had some goals every year, but every time I looked at each year, I really saw that either I fell short or they were the same stuff that I had written before. So um, I thought, you know, I, I, I think I don't want to do that exactly. <clears throat> but so I did something a little different last year. I just made very simple goals that I would focus on and keep doing. Um, and I looked them uh, up uh, this past, or the last year, the end of last year, and I thought, well, it's still good for this year, so I'm just going to do those. So <laughs> here are some of the things. I mean, and they're very general. I mean, they have some more specifics to it. But I wrote things like, I'm going to read more. And I'm going to buy more books, because I love buying books. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to keep running, which I, I do six days a week. I enjoy, I'm going to enjoy God's creation every day. That's so easy to do as well. Have fun. Work diligently. Journal and keep track with pictures. This one's a little bit harder, I think, and I'm not sure I did too well on this one. I think overall of them. Eat less, eat healthier. And obviously the last one is like, you're like, wait, all this stuff you said is all physical and stuff. But where is the spiritual thing, man? Pray more. Okay, yeah. Well, I really put here, follow Jesus closely. And there is kind of a plan for each one of those. But those are the things that I saw last year were good to do. And I think these are good things to do. But, you know, as I look at what Scripture says, I think Scripture helps us guide our thinking and guide our planning so I found out that there are certain spiritual goals that we can have as well. There's some of this over, you know, some of the things that I mentioned go in there, but not necessarily. But they're really good principles, really good guidelines for us. And I call it spiritual aims. Before, I, I used to call them spiritual goals. I, I would say either whatever you want to call it, aims or goals. And this is found in um, the book of Philippians chapter 3. So if you want to open your Bibles there. This is where we're going we're gonna, to uh, dwell today, this morning. It's one of my favorite books, and it's uh, a great chapter. And, and we're going to talk about its spiritual aims. But join me in prayer as we begin. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the time of worship. Thank you that we can start a new year. And we call it new because in our calendar, we like to see a new beginning. And we're thankful that we can start 2024. And I just pray that as we open your word, as we read your word, as we meditate on your word that you would teach us what you want this year, that we would focus on and, and aim at the things that you have written for us. And so we just pray that you would guide us as we meditate on that this morning. Pray your Holy Spirit do the work in us and lead us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at uh, Philippians chapter 3 and look at verses 1 through 3. And this is where we find, <clears throat> excuse me, our first aim. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord, it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision. We worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, 
and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. And Paul's going to continue on. But the first aim that we should have this year is to rejoice in the Lord. And our, our focus should not be in the superficial uh, religious actions, but real, the real joy of the Lord. Not this you know, enthusiasm that comes out of being positive, but really focusing on Jesus Christ, the, fo- the source of our joy. And when Paul writes this letter to the Philippians, you, you probably have heard this before, he was not in a good environment. In fact, he was suffering for the gospel. He was a prisoner. And yet he writes this letter and he says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. The focus should be on him this year, not on the things happening around us. And, and the question for us is, how can we do this? Or, or what can keep us from doing this? And how can we do this? Well, there are several things that can keep us from doing or rejoicing in the Lord. One is, and when Paul describes the first two verses, he talks about people that were doing all these things. And, and he has some strong words. Like dogs, he says, those men who do evil, mutilators of the flesh. He's speaking to those religious pe- people that were introducing legalism into the church. And he's telling them, you need to avoid that. You need to just focus on the Lord and rejoice in Him. So for us, if we want to have and rejoice in the Lord, we need to avoid those kind of things. We need to avoid things that are legalistic, that are not going to help us grow. And there's plenty of that going around today. Religious legalism make us, makes us trust in our own efforts, our own flesh, and not in Christ Jesus. And again, this is so easy for us who've been in the church for a long time to dwell on that and to think that that is what should bring us some sort of happiness or joy. But it is not that. It is really the joy of the Lord. It's to be in Him that gives us that joy. You know, I, I, I've had experiences for, with many people in the church, especially people that I pastor that um, want to take that joy away from me. And I, I can tell you experiences after experiences of people that, that were just so legalistic. And if I didn't do exactly what they did, what they wanted me to do, they would not have joy. And some of this stuff is utterly ridiculous. It's like wear a suit in 100 degrees weather. Like who can do that with no AC? It was like challenging but, you know, we've, we're going to have those kind of things. But Paul says rejoice in the Lord, not in legalism, not in our religious actions that we do, but in him. How do we do this? How do we build that joy in the Lord? Well, we have to focus on our relationship with the Lord. Joy comes from that relationship with him. And my relationship with him is based on God's grace, not on my own performance. My relationship with him should be my delight and not my duty. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. That's our first A. Number two, we need to leave our earthly success to develop our relationship with the Lord. From verses 4 through 11, look what Paul says. And this is so interesting. Paul says, though I myself have reason for such confidence... If anyone could be confident, Paul says, I would be that. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for seal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider laws for the sake of Christ. 
What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. So look what Paul is saying. Paul, before coming to Christ, was a Jewish man. We all know that. If anyone had the credentials to be a successful man, a religious man, excelling, was actually Paul. And he gives his account here where he came from. He's like a Jew from birth. He had come from the tribe of Benjamin, which was a distinguished one. I mean, if you could claim your, your, that you came from Benjamin, that was a, such a great privilege. People would highly see you, see you highly, or see you with a high status. He was a guy who kept the law early on. He became a high-ranking Pharisee. And you remember that he was on his way to become that superstar as he was trying to finish off that sect, what he called the sect of Jesus. And he pursued that with all his strength. But he met Christ. And a dramatic change took place in Paul. And from that point on, Paul considered all these things he had gained a loss for Christ's sake. His values radically change. And everything that Paul considered gain to him, consider a loss. In fact, the word waste is pretty strong. It's really dung. It's really, it's nothing. All his human successes were worth nothing. Why? What was he pursuing? It's very clear here. He says that he wanted to know the excellency. That would be another translation. It's the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. He considered winning Christ, having Christ is the ultimate aim of his life. So if we really want to aim this year at something, it's to aim at developing that relationship with Christ this year. You know, I, I don't think I have a lot of accomplishment. When I look at Paul and try to compare, I say, I don't have a lot of accomplishment. But nevertheless, whatever you think you've accomplished, you think, well, that's good. You should, you should aim at really knowing Christ because that is really nothing compared to focusing on Christ and living for him. And Paul was very clear on that, that living a self-righteous life depending on human efforts was not going to be his focus. He wanted to know more about Christ. But you notice something interesting here in verse 10? He just doesn't want to know Christ. Just like, oh, okay, I want to get to know him. But notice what he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection Look at the next phrase. And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, I don't know about you, but when, when I say I want to become like Christ, I don't want to suffer like Christ, do you? I don't think most of us think about that. Yet Paul is saying that. He is suffering. And he says, I want to experience what it means to feel like Christ felt when he suffered. I want to be like him. I want to imitate him. You know, and I, I've been reading, probably you have too, about Christians in other countries. And I just read about some Christians in Nigeria 
Right? You probably heard it, probably just skipped or didn't know this, but on Christmas, there are close to 200 Christians who were killed in Nigeria just for sport. And uh, there's a quote here from this Reverend Johnny Moore, uh, and he, he says this about, the, about that, that area. He says, not a day goes by when Christians are not terrorized in Western Africa in the most grotesque ways imaginable. Christians are killed for sports, especially in Christian children. For every massacre which you hear about, there are probably 10 others which happen in the shadows. The death tolls are routinely in the hundreds. Entire villages are burned and pillaged. Thousands of churches have been destroyed. Children and women are hunted. Countless Christians have been kidnapped. I met one pastor, he says, whose two previous churches were burned down. Yet he stayed in harm's way because he was determined to be a light in the darkness, even if it cost him his life, and it probably will. You know the amazing thing about these believers? Their focus is not on persecution, not being persecuted. Their focus is on Jesus. They were sharing, or they are sharing, Christ's suffering. They're really experiencing that closeness with Jesus through that suffering. And most of us, honestly, are never going to experience that. And yet, our calling is still the same, to know Christ intimately in every way possible, even if it means that we are going to suffer. So this year, our focus, our aim should be not rely on the things that we've done or we can do, not on our abilities, not on what we've accomplished, but on knowing Christ, living that Christ-centered life. And how do we do this? Every day, surrendering ourselves completely to him to do his will and not our will. And at the end of the, the sermon, you have some practical things that we will highlight as well. So that's our second aim. Our third aim, found in verses 12 to 14, we need to forget past accomplishments or even things that have happened in our life that are not good and focus on the future blessing. Look what Paul says. Not that I've already obtained all this. Paul's saying, look, even with all of this, I've not made it. I haven't gone there. I'm not perfected. Or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of, of it. But one thing I do, look what he says. Forgetting what is behind. I, I am straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Heaven, we in Christ Jesus. Paul is very clear here that I, I want to forget the past accomplished. I don't want to focus on that. Whatever I've done, good or bad, I mean, Paul did a lot of good, obviously. But I am focusing on the goal. What is the goal? Growth and maturity in Christ. I want to get there. I really want to get to the end and be able to win the prize. Meaning that he wanted to Attain perfection that awaits us at the end of our spiritual career, if you want to call it that. That was Paul's goal. And even though Paul may seem, and to me, Paul is one of those people that you look at him and you go, wow, I want to be like him. I want to have the same passion. I want to have the same focus like he did. He's saying, I'm not a super apostle. I'm not a super servant. I haven't attained it yet. I'm moving there. But one thing I do, 
I am leaving everything behind, and I'm focusing on what's ahead. And that requires spiritual focus and discipline. I don't know what your past is like, but you know, when you look at your life right now, you either can be thinking about what happened last year, and when you're stuck, right? And you can stay there all year, or you can move forward. And I was, when I was running yesterday, I was thinking about this, because I experienced this in my own life as well. There are things that I get stuck on. I'm one of those people that once I focus on something, I tend to get stuck on. Some of them are not good. I focus on past things, and I'm focusing on that. But yesterday, as I was thinking about this text and praying about this, you know, I had to say that to the Lord. Say, you know, I don't want to focus on past things. I don't want to be stuck there. I don't want to be focusing on, and especially we think about people, right? People that we don't get along with or people that, that we're struggling with or situations we're struggling with, and we kind of want to solve things or we want to just dedicate more time. But Paul says, I want to move forward. I want to leave that behind. I want to have one aim, and that is to continue the path that God has called me to be in and to attain that. And again, it requires focus and discipline. We cannot be spiritually lazy. We can't. If we do that, we'll just remain there, right? The next year will be the same. And you know, if anything... uh, in anything that Satan will attack us, it will attack us here, keeping us busy with the things that are not important. He wants to keep us stuck and tied to the things or the accomplishments of the past. Don't know what you have in mind. Don't know what you're thinking of for this year. If you're thinking of a better job, if you're thinking of a better, you know, a better career, if you're thinking of a better use of your time or, or, or enjoying your retirement, I don't know. But God is calling you and me to focus on him and focus. The goal is to attain perfection in Christ as we move forward and keep that moving until we get there. And he won't get there until he calls us home or he comes back. So our aim should be for the future blessings that awaits us as his followers. Number four, look at verses 15 through 19. There's another aim that Paul has. His aim is to follow godly examples instead of his own inner bad desires or carnal desires. Look what he says in verse 15. All of us who are mature should take such view of things. And if if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we already attained. Look what he says in verse 17. Join with others in following my example. Brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now saying again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is unearthly thing. Paul was so frank, wasn't he? I'm often, I just marvel how Paul says things so clear, so direct. Paul is saying, look. Aim at imitating me who follows Christ. Follow those who are also following what we taught them. Imitate that example. Because Paul says there are people right now who are not doing this. There are people, says, we told you with tears that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. 
And he says, oh, not only this, but he names his people. And this is probably uh, people that were teaching legalism in the church that were not believers. Look what it says. They said their destiny, Paul says, is destruction. The God is their stomach because everything they did was to satisfy their own selves. And their mind is on earthly things. We have those things here. We have those type of people. We can have them in the church. And Paul says, no, follow our example. Don't follow them. Follow the examples of people who are godly. And I'm sure in this church are many godly people that you can imitate. Seek out people in the church. Spend time with them. Get to know them and learn from them. And I know for me, I've had many people, and now the church where I'm at, I see people who are godly example for me. I have pastors above me who are a godly example that I can imitate and follow. And Paul says, make this your aim this year, that you would follow the example of godly people and not follow your own desires. And Paul gives us one more aim, verses 20 and 21. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our aim is to fix our mind and hope on the coming of the Lord or the resurrection of our bodies. And it is easy to live this year thinking that, one, he's not coming. He's not going to come this year. So it kind of lacks about it. But that's not what Paul says. If we are going to live our lives this year, let's live with that expectation, the hope that we have that Jesus is coming. And if not, we know that once, if we're not here and we go home with the Lord, we will be resurrected. Christ, remember, he said he was going away. In fact, we've, we've done this this Christmas, right? We celebrate his first advent, but we're also proclaiming his second advent when we do that. That's what we just did. So this year, our focus should be on Jesus' coming as well. We have the hope of the coming of the Lord. We have the hope of the resurrection. And these are the things that we should aim for, fixing our mind and hope on the coming of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but when I looked at these five things here, these are really good aims for this year. And, and at the end, uh, you have in your bulletin at least ten different things that you, that, that you can start doing as you aim for these things. And take some time right now and look at them. There, some of them you may already be doing. One, establish a committed time each day dedicated to the Lord. Maybe you want to expand that and extend that. Maybe you're doing it, but you need a little more time for that. Focus on that. Or commit to a year-round reading of the Scripture. You know, we talked about following good examples. Well, you can have examples from the church, but I found one of the best ways also to learn is through biographies. Since early on in my Christian walk, that is one of the things that I learned, learned a lot of biographies. In fact, that's the biggest section that I have. In my own library, because I believe that we learn from good Christian people how to be godly. Maybe it is time for you to join a community group. I saw in your bulletin there is opportunity to join a community. Maybe you're not involved, but that is the time to get involved with that community group. So you can start committing yourself to being a follower of Jesus, learning with others. 
And maybe it is your time to start discipling other people. Or maybe you want to be discipled. You need help. You, need to, you want to grow. Well, there's an opportunity to seek somebody in the church. Maybe it is just committing to be here every Sunday. Right? Not whenever you think you, got, you get up early enough. Right? But commit yourself. That's one of the things that we talk often in our culture because in our Hispanic culture, we've, we lost that. People from Latin America who attend churches are very committed. They attend every Sunday. But we've noticed those who come to America, it's a different story. It's like they're very sporadic. There's less commitment. Maybe you want to commit to that. Maybe you want to commit yourself to be more generous. In fact, you just heard that there's a need for missions. That is the heart of God. God wants us to take the gospel out, but we need resources. And it's amazing that you find uh, people groups who don't have the Bible yet. Man, and we have it. We have all versions. We buy new Bibles like crazy, right? And we start reading and then we give up. And here are people hungry for the word of God. Maybe we need to be more generous. Maybe we see the church here, but, you know, this is your church. This is where God has placed you. This is what God wants you. And you got to focus on what God wants to do here through your church and serve here and be more generous. Maybe you want to be more hospitable. We want to invite believers in. This will help you also grow and mature in your faith. Maybe it is the time for you to commit to being a member. I don't know if you're a member of this church, but maybe that's the time. Or maybe you don't know Jesus and all that I said today was like, that's, I don't know what you said. All I know is you're crazy. As you talk a lot about Jesus. But you know what? That is the whole point. Paul said this. And if anything, we can summarize all these aims is this. We want to get to know Jesus. And all the extent of that. We want to get to know who he is. We want to get to know him through suffering. We want to get to know him because he is our savior. He's our redeemer. He's our hope. And he's promised us. Not only salvation now through him, but an eternity with him. And so my prayer is if you don't know Jesus today, that you will start there. You will surrender your life to him, give your life to him and say, I want to follow you. And I want to give you my life. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's a privilege that we get to open this book every Sunday. And let you speak to us. Thank you that it is clear. Much of it is so clear. And yet at times we don't want to look at it. We don't want to listen. We don't want to obey you. I just pray today that as we start this new year. That our aim would be to focus on you. On rejoicing in you. On forgetting the past that just happened. Moving on to aiming at knowing you more and focusing on the hope that we have with you in eternity. I just pray, Lord, that you would move in each of our lives here, every believer here. Move on to take a step forward towards you. And may that be reflected in the church as well. Regardless of having a pastor or not, we know that's nothing better than to have a congregation that's ready to follow you and be led. And I just pray that you would help 
Edgewood Baptist be that church this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Edgar. What a great uh, beginning of the year message.